Hey, Redemption family, thanks for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you. Be sure to tune in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. at rttnchurch.com. I'm going to jump right into the Word today. Everyone can stand wherever you are for the reading of the Word. Before we go into that, let me take a moment to wish all the mothers, both here and there, wherever you are, a happy Happy Mother's Day. Come on, let's make some noise here and there, wherever you are. Make some noise for mom. Tell her to sit down while she's watching live stream. Prop her feet up. Give her a foot massage. Make her some breakfast. Do something nice. Tell her you love her. Celebrate mamas because they brought you into this world and they can take you out too. So make sure that you tell your mother today how much you love her. And we recognize that some of us today don't have our mothers with us. And I want you to know that your church family, uh, your pastors are praying for you. All of you who have perhaps heavy hearts on Mother's Day, I I know that uh, there are a number of people in that that place and situation. We want you to know that we love you. We're praying for you today that God would give those who are grieving comfort on Mother's Day. I'm very thankful to God to have my mom with me in church on this Sunday. I told her, you can come to church today. She said, uh, well, we're not having church yet. I said, Mama, I'm the pastor. You can, you can do whatever I tell you to do. Just get ready and get to church. And I'm glad that you came to church today, Mother. I love you. I'm grateful for you. I, yeah, that's right. Come on, tell Gail. Tell Miss Gail you love her. Um, I'm thankful for her and for her mothering of me and my sister and my life. I'm grateful for my mama. I'm also grateful to God for my wife who's been doing this mothering thing for 19 years. She is at home with our children this morning. And um, I thank God that she has been doing this mama thing at the highest level for 19 years. And I, I just praise the Lord for you, Devin. I praise God for the way you have so uh, strategically been the glue that holds our family together, and that does such an amazing job sharpening the arrows that are Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zion, and Judah, and helping to aim them at the target God has for their life. I love you. I love my children. And uh, today, uh, on this Mother's Day, we just celebrate moms. Uh, But I'm going to do something today that I don't typically do on Mother's Day. I'm going to veer off from uh, the the weight and the assignment of preaching on mothers. Uh, And in a roundabout way, I suppose I am going to preach on mothers. Uh, But I want to talk about a thought God planted in my heart a couple of days ago while I was praying and on a break. I want to talk about nurturing the nations. Nurturing the nations. Today's sermon is going to be called nurturing the nations and I want you to look at 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 17, 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 17, so they brought the ark of the Lord and they set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering 
burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed, look at verse 19, he distributed among all the people. Somebody say all the people. He distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and the men. He gave everyone, watch, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone to his house. I want you to flip over and look at 2 Samuel 7 verse 1. Now it came to pass when the king, King David, was dwelling in his house that the Lord gave him rest from all his enemies all around. There is a season you can come into where God will give you rest from all your enemies on every side. And today I want to talk about nurturing the nation, nurturing nations, because nations are in need of that comforting presence that can only be found in God. Can someone say amen? Jesus, help us today to teach and to preach your word. I pray hearts would be open to receive it and that through the blessing of technology, this word would be carried to nations and to people that hope would rise in hearts that have been full of dejection and despair and that we would begin again to believe for the goodness of God in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Nurturing the nations. This is not a real sermonic beginning. It's just the fact of... uh, of how I have felt the last several days. I don't know how all of you have um, responded to what's going on in our nation over the last few days. It, it sort of has felt like a pileup, just one issue on top of the other, and you start getting the feeling like this is an attack, this is measured. There, there is something going on here with an assignment to bring uh, a nation or even nations, large groups of people into a place of heaviness. And I had one of those kinds of, one of those uh, kind of weeks this past week. On one particular day, it felt like the reports, the news, the, the, the finding out of all that had happened on that day just felt like it piled up. You, you have the ongoing issue with COVID-19. You have the numbers coming out with unemployment. You have the fear people who are trying to fear monger and produce continued panic and paranoia in the nation. People are losing their jobs. People are being threatened by losing their homes, their stuff, their valuables. And then you add to that this week the sudden loss of of a pastor in ministry again and, and the feeling that that brings with it, many in the evangelical world were shaken as they heard the news of another pastor, a dear brother in Christ who had suddenly died and the, the concern with, with, with what had happened there and, and, the, and, and just the feeling of 
what is going on? And then I turn on the news in the same day and I see this horrible, horrible video that all of us by now have seen of an innocent, precious African-American young man, Ahmaud Arbery, who is jogging through a neighborhood, shot down, hunted down and shot and murdered in broad daylight at the hands of two people who, in my opinion, have a serious issue in their heart and the nation is thrown back into the volatility of division and hate and it seems like all of these things, and not just those three things, but if you're watching me, many of you had your own week, your own issues that piled up on top of the national stuff that is going on. And I thought about how I was feeling. I thought about what I was working through and processing through because there are several ways to deal with it. You can ignore it and we can act like it's not there and we can act like it's not happening but those kinds of tools of dealing with problems really don't help us work through it. In fact, if you just keep covering up what's really going on on the inside, you'll find yourself one day having a total meltdown, an explosion of emotion because you're just bottling up the fear. You're bottling up the anger. You're bottling up the confusion. You're bottling up the depression. And I really, really believe that God wanted me personally to just sit down for a half a day and process and pray and start thinking about what, what was going on and what God was up to. And as I processed what I was feeling and dealing with, and you got these issues, you got this, this, this issue of injustice, you got this issue of sickness and pandemic, you got this issue of sudden loss, you got people who are trying to keep their homes and trying to find a job, you got all this stuff piling up on you. And I reminded myself, I was reminded as I was thinking through this, and I told this story a long time ago, but I'm going to tell it again today on Mother's Day. I had that kind of day, my fifth grade year of life. On my fifth grade year, we used to live right across the street from the elementary school that I went to. And I'll never forget in my juvenile, naive, fifth grade mind thinking that the worst day I had ever had in my life had come because the school bell for the day ending, that bell rang and it was pouring down rain outside. And I thought, oh, I don't want to go walk in the rain all the way home. And then I'm going to get home and, and, and mom's going to be showing up, getting off work at the same time. And I don't want to go home by myself in the rain, walk home by myself in the rain. I, I, it's the worst day of my life. It's what it felt like, the worst day of my life. My juvenile, naive mind, I'm walking home in the rain thinking, I'm going to get wet, it's going to be cold, and I just want to go home. And I start walking from school, going to my house, pouring down rain, cold outside, and I had my head down, kicking the mud puddles, pouring down rain, didn't have an umbrella, and all of a sudden I looked up walking down the road. And there came mama, mama with a coat and an umbrella. And she said, come on, baby. I got off early today to make sure you get home. And I didn't want you to have to walk home in the rain. And something just changed about it. It went from the worst day of my life to a day that even 25, 30 years later, how many ever years it's been, I have never forgotten that moment 
when mom got off work early just to make sure I didn't have to walk home in the rain. I needed nurturing. I needed mama. And when I think about where we are as a nation today, we got a lot of doom and gloom being spoken. We have a lot of fear being propagated. We have a lot of people talking about the need that we have in America. And I have been the first on the front line. I have said over and over again and will continue to say, we need to repent of our sins. We need to repent of our racism. We need to repent of abortion. We need to repent for the, the wickedness that has been propagated in our nation. But I want to say this morning to a nation that has been shaken and a nation that has been afraid and a nation that has seen injustice and a nation that has wondered, uh, uh, will there be any peace? I just felt like God said to me today, Kevin, I, I'm coming to America, and yes, I've got some business to take care of, but I want you to preach today that I'm coming to nurture this nation again. This nation needs some peace today. This nation needs some comfort today. This nation needs to look up a road that feels like we've been walking on for a long time and we wonder, will we ever find a place of peace? Will we ever find a place of security? Will we ever be a people of unity? We need to look up the road, lift our head and see Jesus saying, come on America, it's not over yet. I still got promises over this nation. I still got unfinished business that I'm going to complete. I'm going to send it revival. I'm going to ascendant awakening. You're not going out depressed and disunified and broken and divided. I'm still the God who will bless this nation if the people will just ask me. I'll answer them when they call on my great name. And this, this message this morning on Mother's Day is for a nation that needs nurturing. For a people who feel like your heart is broken, like your mind is full of pain, like you've got questions, more questions than you do answers. You're wondering about your finances. You're wondering about your house. You're wondering about injustice. Many of us, many of us are wondering about racism that's still alive in America today. I just came by to tell you the devil won't have the last word. The enemy won't go out on top. This thing will not end with the devil in the headlines and the church hiding in a cave. This thing is going to end with Jesus Christ on top and the people of God seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm telling you, revival is what's next on God's, God's scorecard and it's going to happen in our generation for the glory of God. Today, I just wanted to, I just wanted to remind you about a comforter. I wanted you to re be reminded today that the God we serve is not a terrorist or a tormentor. He's the great comforter. I love this about being a Trinitarian believer. In our, in our expression of, 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 of understanding God, I should say, we understand God as Trinitarian people to be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is that strong, mighty He's that strong and mighty Yahweh who rolls his sleeves up, up and flexes his muscle, has power over every work of darkness, power over the entire universe. God the Son is Jesus who is the Lamb. 
He came to be the propitiation for our sins. It is through his shed blood at Calvary 2,000 years ago that we were redeemed from the curse of sin and that we became children of God because of his efficacious sacrifice. Jesus saved us by his blood. And then there is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is what Jesus called in John's gospel the comforter. The paraclete, the one who came beside us to bring us a sense of peace and tranquility. Um, this experience, this, this feeling of knowing everything is going to be all right, even when we're surrounded by situations that doesn't look all right. We've got a peace that it's going to be all right because there's a comforter that is walking with us. And I heard the Lord say to me in prayer early this morning, he said, Kevin, I I want you to tell my people that I'm taking them into the comfort zone. And sometimes we preachers, we preach on the comfort zone as a negative thing, as if we don't want people to feel comforted. Most of the time when we refer to a comfort zone in our service or in our sermon or message, we're talking about the kind of comfort zone that people have become at ease in and, and, and we no longer have a passion for God and we want people to be stirred out of a religious comfort zone. But that's a pseudo comfort zone. It's not even real comfort when you're not in love with Jesus, when you got more religion than you do relationship. But, but God is taking us out of religion and he's taking us into some true comfort in this moment. I'm telling you right now, there have been people who have been contemplating suicide. You've been not sleeping well at night. You've been in turmoil on the inside and you've been trying to work your way through and figure it out. But today I just felt like God wanted me to come by and tell somebody that the spirit of the Lord is getting ready to nurture you. He's getting ready to bring you close to the heart of God and he's getting ready to let you know he's got a plan for your tomorrow. That God's not just sitting in some far removed corner of the universe twiddling his thumbs and popping Prozac and wondering what to do about the state of the world and the, the situation this nation is in. I want you to know God's got a plan. God is ready. God is able. God is willing. And he's looking for people today who will say, God, we're tired of trying to figure it out in ourselves. We're tired of trying to figure it out in our own strength. We need the comforter. We need the spirit of the Lord to come and bring us comfort today. And that is precisely the place that King David was in in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He was in a place where a nation had been in trouble and they needed nurturing. You know what nurturing is. It's, it's that almost that motherly kind of comfort. You just, you just feel safe. You, you just feel like I'm taken care of. Everything is going to be all right. You know when you get a boo-boo. When children, when our kids get a boo-boo and they see blood, I, I got four kids, three of them are okay, but Zion is not okay when she sees blood. Even today, she's 15 years, 14 years old, getting ready to be 15 years old, and if she gets a cut now, panic sets. It can be a paper cut, and she starts screaming, blood, 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 oh, I need a Band-Aid, mama. Why? Mama brings some kind of peace. There's something about the nurturing presence of the Spirit of God that is intended 
to bring his children comfort and peace. And David encountered a nation that had been troubled. He is the newly installed king. The nation had experienced the death, the sudden unexpected death of a spiritual leader, Uzziah, dropped dead because he touched the ark at Nacon's threshing floor. When he fell dead, the entire nation felt the shock waves of fear. They're afraid. Spiritual leader has died. Not only did they lose the spiritual leader, but the nation had been in constant conflict and war with the Philistines. For most all of Saul's life and tenure as a king, they were at war and they continually were defeated on the battlefield. The Philistines kept taking their stuff. They kept overrunning the people of God and they would take their harvest. And year after year, the nation felt the defeat as the Philistines had continually conquered them on the battlefield. Not only have they experienced the loss of spiritual leadership and not only have they been in a long war with the Philistines, but for several decades they had lived under the misguided spiritual priorities of a carnal fleshly leader. And now they were paying the price for it because they felt a million miles away from God. Now Saul is no longer sitting on the throne and now there's a, a young shepherd man, David, who has become king over a troubled nation. A nation that had felt the pain of war and the pain of loss and the pain of defeat. And it seemed like everywhere they looked was one chapter of pain after another. And David comes on to the scene. And when he comes on to the scene, the first thing I want you to understand is that David is prepared to nurture a nation and love a nation because he knew he himself was loved. In fact, that's what the name David means. It means the loved one or the beloved of God. David was ready to love a nation because David had felt and tasted the love of God himself. When everyone else forgot David, when his own father looked over him and his brothers were jealous of him, God knew that David knew that he was the apple of God's eye, that God had set his hand of favor upon him. He had felt the love of God. And because he felt and knew the love of God, he was prepared to demonstrate that love to a hurting nation. I want to say to us today, those of us who have been redeemed, those of us who have been saved and rescued and washed in the blood of Jesus and have tasted the love of God, we are exactly what this nation needs in a moment like this. Those of us who have tasted love, those of us who have received the love of God, we ought to be the people who start nurturing the nation with the same love that we have been given. He's calling us to nurture, and we say it like this, that, that we're the hands and the feet of Jesus. If God were looking for a people to love this nation through, who would he find willing 
to be his hands and feet and his heart in a messed up hurting world. I believe it would be the redeemed, those who are the object of God's love, those who know what it feels like to be loved by God ought to be leading the way in nurturing and healing and ministering reconciliation and hope to a messed up nation. And that's exactly what David is, is doing here. If you look at David's actions as a king, he reestablished kingdom priorities. He restored the presence of God. He literally went and got the Ark of the Covenant to take it back to Jerusalem. The third thing he did is he revived praise among the people. Boy, I wish I had time to preach on that three, those three points right there because David's entire leadership and tenure, his entire kingdom and the substance of, of his administration was about restoring the presence of God, reviving praise among the people and reestablishing kingdom priorities that honored God and blessed the people. And he didn't take years to do it. He did it immediately. He went after the ark immediately. He began to praise God immediately. He began to reestablish kingdom priorities immediately. And you can almost feel the lift in the nation. This nation needs what I call a redemptive lift. We need the people of, listen people of God, you're not part of the problem, you're part of the solution. You are an essential business. You, in fact, we're not even a business. We're just essential because as the people of God, we are a voice in the earth that reminds people that although it looks like the devil is in control, God is really the one that is on the throne. And I don't care where you're from, what state you're in, what city you live in. I just want to tell you, men and women of God, people of God, you are the light of the world, a city set on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden salt that is to be tasted and you are the very essence of the kingdom of God and your city needs you your neighborhood needs you and this nation needs you because it's in need of nurturing comfort that cannot be found in a bar it cannot be found in a strip club you cannot find it smoking on a joint you can't snort peace off of a off of a mirror you can only find this kind of nurturing comfort from the presence of the Holy Spirit that is alive and well and moving in the church. It's what God's calling us to be. A nurturing people who don't add fuel to the fire, who don't cause the division to explode. I just want to say this. I'm grateful this past week and the last number of days that as we begin to see this evil, hideous act of murder, on all the social media platforms, this precious young man who was, life was taken from him. I'm grateful that there was a concerted voice of justice that was raised across this nation, not just from African-American brothers and sisters, but from white leaders and Hispanic leaders. Listen, it's time for us to stop this nonsense about them and us. We're all one humanity. And I want to tell you right now, the devil doesn't care where we come from. He came to kill, steal, and destroy anybody who would let him in their house. 
We need to make sure that we stand up for justice in every city, in every state, in every region of this nation because God is a God of justice. And every time we wink and close our eyes to injustice, it is a threat to all of us. This nation needs that nurturing, comforting, strong presence of the Spirit of God that is demonstrated through the people of God. And, and, and here's, this, is, this is what I think is absolutely incredible, especially on Mother's Day. David knew something about leadership that every true mama knows. The way to a child's heart is through their belly. Jesus. If you want to be my friend, feed me. You know why me and my mama are so tight? We're like this. You know why? Because she fed me all my life. When I was hungry, yes, yes, not hungry, hungry, mama fed me. Now, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. God's been good to mom and dad over the last few years. We didn't have a lot growing up, but you would never know it if you came to our dinner table. There was something magical about my mother's hands that could take a little bit of chicken and some potato flakes, half a pound of butter, Jesus. Green beans, and not just green beans, but green beans with bacon and fat back in the pan. Yeah, I hear somebody over here. There was something about that nurturing. I mean, you could have had a horrible day, but at dinner time, things just got better. David understood that a way to somebody's heart it's through their belly. And look at what the Bible said. He said, I got an entire nation that's troubled. An entire nation that has been through war. An entire nation that has been without the presence of God. An entire nation that has watched leaders die, drop dead suddenly. They're all afraid. And I just need to bring some nurturing comfort to a nation. What do I do? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to feed them. I want to tell the church today that God's calling us to feed a hungry nation. David had the faith to believe that a new day was coming for Israel. And because he saw a new day coming, he knew if they were going to have a new day that they had to have a new diet. Because when all you feast on is the fear, I feel the Lord, all you feast on is the negativity, when all you feast on is the pandemic, when all you feast on is the racism and the division, when all you feed yourself is the bad, the ugly, the forgettable, the things that, that are heinous, and when all you do is eat that nonsense, it doesn't provide any peace. It's tormenting. Your soul is not meant to feast on that garbage. You were meant to take in good things. I'm not talking about sticking your head in the 
dirt and ignoring all of the pain and the plight of humanity and running from the injustice. I'm just saying if all you ever eat and feast on is the negativity, if all you do is follow people who believe like you and feed your your narrative, I'm telling you, you're setting yourself up for misery. We need to make sure as the people of God that what we're giving out brings hope, correction, life, peace, comfort, we can't just be doiling out all of the all of the problems and aligning ourselves with all of the fear of the day. The church has another voice. We have something else to say. David saw a new day coming. So he changed the diet. Because if you're going to have a new day, you're going to have to begin to consume new things. And I want to declare today Maybe this is the end. Maybe I'm not going to preach this. Maybe I'm just going to say this because I really want to say what I'm getting ready to say. I want to declare that our nation is getting ready to step into a new day. I want to declare that our nation is getting ready to step into a day of awakening, a day of blessing, a day of revival, a day of peace, a day of goodness. And because I believe a new day is dawning, I want to declare that our diet is about to change. We have given a chance to Washington, and Washington cannot get the job done. Republicans can't get it done. Democrats can't get it done. This is not about the party of an elephant or the party of a donkey. It's about the people of the lamb. God is about to raise up a people, a people who've been redeemed, who tasted and seen that the Lord is good. God is tired of everybody else feeding the nation. I believe he's about to nurture a nation by feeding them the same thing David fed Israel. God is about to give us a new day and there's a new diet for the new day we're about to walk into. But one, let me just quickly go through this. He gave, he gave Israel bread. Bread. Everyone say bread. David gave a whole loaf. He gave them a whole loaf and here's the thing, he gave everybody the bread. Read the text. Everybody, all men and all women. Can I just tell you that everybody in America needs the bread? Glory. Everybody in America needs the bread. Not just the Christians. Everybody needs the bread. What is the bread, preacher? You know, I love the word of God. It talks a lot about bread. I'd be a lot slimmer had I not eaten so much bread. I love bread. I love garlic bread. I love bread on the pizza. I love cheese in the bread covered by the cheese of the pizza. I love, I don't like wheat bread. I don't, what am I talking about this for? I don't even know, but I'm getting hungry while I talk. I don't like all those grainy, seedy breads. I like bread sopped in butter. I like bread that's covered in gravy. Glory to God. I like those kinds of bread. There's something about bread. I like the word of God because it talks a lot about bread. My favorite story about bread and the word of God is found in the book of Ruth. 
when a man named Elimelech was married to a woman named Naomi, and they lived in a city called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. But the Bible said that there came a famine to the city of bread, and no bread was found in Bethlehem. So Naomi and her husband Elimelech packed up their sons and they went to Moab to find something to eat. And when they got to Moab, while she was there, she lost her husband and her sons. And while she's sitting in depression of loss, they heard that bread was found again in Bethlehem. And she loaded up her daughters-in-law and they went back to Bethlehem to reestablish life. Yes, they had suffered loss. Yes, they had gone through unimaginable pain. She had buried her husband and lost some sons. It was a horrible situation. But I want you to know that when Bethlehem had bread again, the people of God began to come back to Bethlehem and reestablish life because there was bread in Bethlehem and the Bible said that Naomi who had lost everything before they wrote the final chapter of her life she's not in Moab ostracized from her godly inheritance she is back in Bethlehem and she's eating bread and she's being measured out a measure of blessing because God refuses to allow his children to live in a famine in a strange foreign land there's somebody here in me right now you need to know this that the church may have seemed like she's been in a famine but I want to declare bread is coming back to the house of the Lord bread is coming back to Bethlehem and the hungry are going to come when they smell the scent of bread from heaven they're coming back to the church I've heard people tell me all month long the church will never be the same you won't find any disagreement with me we'll never be the same again but it's not because we're going out and getting weaker. It's because we're coming back stronger. There's coming a fresh hot bread to the house of God and those who are hungry will come out of every way of life back to the place where the bread can be found. Who is the bread? I'm glad you asked. Jesus answered the question in John chapter 6 verse 35. He said I am the bread of life and he that eats from my life will never hunger again we need bread again Jesus is the bread stop feeding the nation everything else and give it the love of Jesus and it'll bring comfort to the masses listen preacher we're going to have an opportunity in the next few weeks and months to reestablish the simplicity of the gospel give them bread we need the bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Not only did David give him the bread, he gave him the meat. Meat represents the word. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about those who were not ready for the substance or the meat of the word. They were unskilled and unlearned. The writer of Hebrews tells them in Hebrews chapter 5, 14 and 15, by now you should be teachers. Instead, I'm having to teach you all over again. And I'm going to keep you on the milk because you're not ready for the meat or the substance of the word. Here's what I want to say. Church, 
we need to start preaching the meat of the word. The stuff that brings transformation. I, I, I believe we have, we have accepted that we've got to water down teaching and preaching. So watered down every week that it just seems to leave souls lean. We need the meat of the word. We need something to hold on to. Don't just, don't just tell me everything's going to be all right when hell is breaking loose. Give me the kind of word that will sustain my soul. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. Heaven and earth will pass away. But the word of the Lord will abide forever. Hebrews says the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing of soul and sunder, joints and marrow. And the word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. I hid your word, O oh Lord, in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to tell you something. There is a real issue in America when we have a famine of the word and have more access to the word than any other nation in the world. More podcasts, more videos, more YouTube channels, more versions of the Bible. You can read the Bible, listen to the Bible. Somebody can read it for you. We've got more access than we've ever had, yet I'm more convinced that we need this word now more than ever before. The nation needs the word of God. In a world that is volatile and shifting and there's no seeming, no, no seeming foundation to be found anywhere, we need something that is rock stable. We need something that doesn't shift with the tides of culture. We need something that is forever established in heaven. We need the word of God. David knew what to feed a hurting nation. He fed it bread. He fed it the meat. The last thing he did is he fed the nation, what the word calls a sweet cake of raisins. You got to have dessert. I don't know about your families, but Gary Keelan's in my family. Pastor Gary, we have, we have notorious appetites. At Thanksgiving, he sits on one end of the table. I sit on the other. We wait on all the family to get the food they want because we don't want anyone to say anything about the portion we're getting ready to eat. There are no excuses. You've had your time in line. We've sat and talked. It's time to go to work. And you can feed yourself. When Gary Keelan eats at Thanksgiving, you have to put sideboards on the plate to hold the food. His mealtime takes 45 minutes. I know because mine does too. You look at him and someone says, Gary, are you full? Yes, I'm full. I've had three pounds of turkey. Well, it's time for dessert. I have room for dessert. It's like there's another compartment in my stomach called dessert. 
You don't finish a real meal down south without some sort of sweet thing. David understood. They need the bread and they need the meat. But they need to taste the sweet thing. This is the goodness of God. America's been feasting on a lot of negativity. I just felt like I needed a day to remind anybody who's watching, wherever you're watching from, the God I serve is a good God. It's not his anger that drives a man to repent. It's his goodness that leads a man to repent. There's a scripture over in the Gospel of St. Luke. It says this, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. My whole life, I was raised to believe that scripture meant God sent storms to both good and bad people. And no matter how good you were or how bad you were, everybody's going to have a storm. The bad stuff's coming to everybody. One day I got a revelation that that's not exactly what the scripture was talking about. When the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike, it doesn't mean that the just and the unjust are all going to get the bad. Actually, rain was a blessing. A farmer needed the rain. A farmer needed showers to come and water the seed. When Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust alike, he's not saying that bad things are coming to both good and bad people, although we know bad things happen to both good and bad people. What he's saying is good things like rain come to the bad and the good. God will rain on good people, but I'm going to blow your mind. He'll rain on the field of some wicked people. We don't understand that. But God is good. He's a loving God. Even the people who don't deserve the rain sometimes receive the blessing from heaven. The Bible talks about David giving a cake of raisins, the sweet things, to the nation. Hebrews 6.5, listen to this verse. Hebrews 6.5 says that we who are saved have tasted the goodness of the world that is to come. Isn't that amazing? We're not in heaven yet, but we've tasted heaven. Anybody watching or anybody in this room who've ever had such a blessing on this side of heaven, you can say, I've tasted the goodness of the world that is to come. I've, I've, I've had that. I've tasted that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. I've tasted peace that passes understanding. I've, I've tasted heaven on earth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What happens when you taste something that you like? And you're with people you love. <laughs> well, sometimes I do this. Not all the time. Sometimes I say, Dev, try this. If it's really good and there's not a large portion, I don't do that. 
But most of the time I say, Dev, try this. How many have ever offered your spouse or your children something that, that tasted really good and when you taste it, you say, oh, this is amazing. Try this. It's exactly what the psalmist was talking about when he said, taste, see that what I'm telling you is true. The Lord is good. Here's the problem. We have bad people eating bad stuff, offering it to people who don't need anything else bad. We need to have some redeemed people tasting good things, saying to a messed up world, taste this. This is different than the stuff you got down the road. This is better than the stuff you had last week. This is greater than the, than the other meal that the other kind of people were trying to feed you. This is eternal life. This is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Try it. Take a taste of the goodness of God. He sent them home with bread, meat, and sweet cakes of raisins. They were ready now to go home. He didn't want to send them home empty-handed. He wanted them to go home and fill their cupboards with the blessing. And the Bible says this, and I'm closing. When David got home, he blessed his house. And the Bible says in the first verse of the seventh chapter, I preached on after this several weeks ago. This is another one of those after this moments right here in 2 Samuel chapter 7. After decades of war, after decades of misguided spiritual priorities, David was granted rest from God from all his enemies. Isn't it amazing how you can be surrounded by enemies, but when God says, shut up and sit down, your enemies have to line up with the voice of God. Someone needs to hear that today. You can try and try and try and work and work and work and war and war and war, but I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like God standing up and saying to your enemies, get in your place and don't bother him or her again. Some of you are coming into that place today. Seasons of war, seasons of battle, seasons of frustration, seasons of pain, seasons of misguided spiritual priorities. Some of us are shaken because we've seen leaders fall and some even die and it shakes us to our core and our enemies rise up. They surface and they pop their head up and remind us that they are there. David came into a season where God gave him rest. I like what the word says, on every side. Doesn't matter where he turned, you couldn't find his enemy. Some of you feel like you're in a moment right now where everywhere you turn, there's an enemy. But I'm telling you, get the bread in your house. 
Get the meat of God's word in your heart. Start being reminded of the goodness of God. Feed your soul on the goodness of God. David said, I would not have made it had I not believed I would have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's something about believing you will see the goodness of God while you're alive on planet earth that will sustain you through a season of trial. Some of you feel like giving up today. I'll tell you why. The wrong people been feeding you the wrong stuff. Jesus, I feel the Lord. They've been feeding you garbage, telling you you're not going to make your bills, you're not going to get a job, your children aren't going to get back up out of this. The enemy's been telling you this race war, this division, this disunity is always going to be like this. I came to tell you that there's a sovereign God on the throne that's got another report. God is a good God. This nation is going to see the healing power of God. Justice is going to be given in America. Life is going to be valued in America. God is going to give us an awakening and a revival where the content of our heart reflects the content of the heart of God. Where the court systems of America more align with the courts of heaven. We're not going out hiding in a cave depressed about the condition of this world. We just need to be nurtured by the Spirit fed a new diet so that we can walk in a new day. Sick and tired of everyone else having the microphone and spewing their venom. We need Christ. We need Christ in the pulpit, Christ in the pew. Christ in the boulevard. We need Jesus in every avenue. We need Jesus in every school system. We need Jesus in every state capital. We need the Word. We need the Bible. We're mad at, we're mad at God because He isn't rescuing us and we've taken His Word off every courthouse room. I'm telling you, we need the book again. We need to love this Word. And we need to start being, stop being fear-mongers and spreading the same nonsense we need to declare there's a new day coming. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. There's a new day coming. Because there's a new day coming for this nation, there's a new diet needed. We're shifting. We're going to nurture. We're going to heal and bring hope. We're not going to spew the hopelessness. We're going to tell people. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. I want you to stand wherever you are right now, and I want you. Here's what I felt like we were supposed to do in closing. We were supposed to present our lives as the kind of people that the Lord could love this nation through. He wants to love the nation, but he needs a people know what to feed this nation 
David understood that the way to a people's heart is through their appetite, satisfying the longing of their soul. I wept this week. I was almost overcome with a feeling of, man, just when you feel like we're making progress, something's evil and sadistic happens in America and it just inflames those fires of division and hate and racism. I refuse to believe the report of the devil that says this nation will never be healed. God's going to heal this nation and he's going to bring a righteous justice and a holy love for humanity. And I'm telling you right now, there will always be people with this wicked thing in them. And there will always be people who want to exploit it and blow it up. I have prayed and am praying and will forever pray that the demonstration of the love of God through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ be so overwhelming that the voice of hate and racism is always swallowed out by the voice of love and justice and peace in this nation. You can't find that love and that justice and that peace in an unregenerated soul. You can only find it in people who have been washed in the blood, whose lives and hearts have been changed. America needs healing today. We need to be nurtured and comforted. And in order for that to happen, there have got to be a people who rise up, who don't get stuck in the fray, who have a prophetic voice that is above that level of cesspool of politics. It's that prophetic level of announcing a new kingdom is here and everybody can be a part of this family. The people of God are not supposed to be those who are feeding the fear. I recognize the need to be cautious and wise. I don't want to pretend for a moment that this virus isn't a serious thing. But if you think for one moment this coronavirus is higher than the name of Jesus, I'm telling you right now, we'll walk in wisdom and in faith. The two are not mutually exclusive. You can have faith and wisdom. We're not going to tempt God, but we're not going to hide out in a cave for the rest of our life either. Our God is a, is a faithful God, and he's going to heal our nation not only from the sickness of racism and division, but from the sickness of this virus. Amen! And I just want to declare goodness because there's a lot of people wondering if there's any goodness left anywhere. God never runs out of goodness. He's good all the time. Would you lift your hands with me right now and ask God to help you and I become the kind of people that nurture a nation? Lord, give us the kind of grace to look up the road on a rainy day and see that you're waiting with the umbrella and the jacket. We don't have to go home by ourselves. We don't have to wonder if we're alone. 
Spirit of the living God, you said you'd be there to give us comfort every step of the way. This spirit that is with you shall be in you. Holy Spirit, today I pray you'll bring comfort to the hearts of your people so that your people can bring comfort to the heart of a, of a messed up nation. A nation that is in need of a different kind of diet because we're getting ready to step into a new day. I declare and prophesy in the name of our Lord Jesus that America's coming into a new day and because of it we need a new diet. A diet of more of Jesus, a diet of his word, a diet of the goodness of God. Let us preach the goodness of the Lord. Let us live in the goodness of the Lord. Let us give away the goodness of the Lord. And I pray right now against the spirit of hopelessness and despair. I break your power in the name of Jesus. I speak a life and hope over every person watching me right now. May the people of God rise up believing for a new day in this nation and in the nations of the earth. Holy Spirit, let your goodness cover this earth, we pray, and that eyes would come open so that we may be aware of your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need Jesus to save you, right where you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me and save me today. Rescue me, Lord, and cleanse me and make me yours. I confess I need a Savior, that I'm a sinner and I'm wanting you to save me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins and give me a new identity in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, every single week people are just texting us, messaging me, the church, whoever, saved. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, I just want you to, you can put it in the comment section there, saved. You can send us an email, tell us you got saved. You can send me a message, tell, I got saved today. I got a message last week from a young lady watching on live stream, gave her heart to Jesus Christ and God rescued her from an entire lifestyle. Crazy, crazy, amazing testimony. I wonder if anybody was getting saved and people are giving their heart to Jesus through live stream. I don't care where you are right now. He'll save you if you ask him. And if you ask him, we want you to let us know so that we can send you a Bible. Make sure that you've got what you need to walk with Jesus. We're praying for you, family. We love you. Church family, we miss you and can't wait to see you soon. It's going to be just a few more weeks, but we're going to have homecoming on May 31st. And it's going to be powerful. I can't wait to see you then. Until then, nurture a nation. Speak life in the midst of death. God's going to be good to you. And he's going to be good to this nation. I love you and I'll see you this coming week. Check it out. Devin on Facebook Live. Make sure you're keeping up to date. Can't wait to see you soon. Be blessed.